0: Hello, welcome to this episode of 10,000 Posts, a show about how everything is posting. My name is Hussain. My name is Phoebe. And just before we get started, thank you for listening to this free episode of 10,000 Posts. We really appreciate it. We have lots of good bonus content on our Patreon, five bucks a month, helps us to run the show, helps us to do it without ads and to stay editorially independent. Also, we have a lot of really fun episodes on there. Go check it out. All your support really helps us out and we really appreciate it if you are already a subscriber. Um, this week, we have a returning guest on the show, um, possibly uh, one of the most bizarre, uh, but incredibly fascinating, genius. I don't know whether, can I call you a prankster, Uber? Do you, do you uh, feel as demeaning if I call you a prankster?
1: You can call me whatever you like, you're saying, I trust you.
0: A, a, a remarkable, a remarkable young man. <laughs> <Uber> <laughs> 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 oh, I you know, shouldn't have trusted him. <laughs> Uh, uber welcome back on the show we really appreciate it um yeah
1: nice to see you guys again
0: how, how, how are you doing you you made it out of uh, you made it out of the amazon warehouse <laughs> uh, just about in one piece I'm all uh, right yeah
1: I'm a, i've had a i've had a, a a mad week of doing lots and lots of interviews and things and it's been uh
0: and now we're subjecting it, you to another one
1: no this is uh this is the, the <laughs> this is the least of my worries.
0: Uh, <laughs> well, look, I, I, I thought we could have a bit of fun before we go. So we obviously did bring you on because you have uh you 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 have put out a new documentary. Yeah, uh, it's on Channel Four. We'll talk about that in the second half of this show. But Lovely. we thought that because you've had so many interviews um mm. about this, that we would give you a little bit of respite first. So this is the first half of what we like to call my life in posting um now we usually ask people to come on to talk about their early memories on the internet and like you know things that they sort of got up to and like looking back on their stuff and we usually start off with a question which is uh what was is there anything that you've ever done online that has ever got you into trouble now the thing is with you i know that you have done this i know like there are like arguably too many examples so i'm going to like slightly (laughs) tweak that question and ask uh is there is there a time that we don't know about where you got into trouble on the internet, and who did you make mad?
1: Um, good. Well, without doubt, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we used to. Do... <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of like. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I've told you this, before when when we <laughs> well, no, is there one that's oh, memorable to you,
0: But if you if you've got one, please tell us a story.
1: Yeah, so I mean, when we were kids, about tw- This is really weird. Uh, when we were like twelve or thirteen or fourteen, we or, remember the website Hot or Not. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we always used to always used to dress up as like old men, or sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, uh-huh. sometimes, okay. like you know, uh, like very like. Fun-looking Hindu-adjacent uh, guest-looking females, and uh, then share pictures on Hot or Not, like and be like Jeanette, forty-eight, or <laughs> <What>? <laughs> and Hot or Not for anyone who uh, is young. Um, it was a a, a a website where you used to basically just be a, a, a reel of photo. it would be like a reel of photos, and you just rank how hot someone was out of ten. Uh, it was one of the most fun things ever. Just like diving through a fancy dress box and looking for uh, <laughs> what, what, what. I know, I know Warren. I know the soul of fifty-eight-year-old pub landlord Warren. But what would he wear? What jumper would he wear? You know, mm-hmm. I and mean, we talcum powder up your hair so it's grey at a distance. You know that kind of stuff. Quite, that that was a lot of.
0: It's quite a lot of investment, though. Like you'd have to if you were coming up with all these outfits and characters and everything. Like, how would you like? fund this hobby of yours
1: what the i mean i was 12 or 13 they're saying i wasn't yeah, but like
0: were you, were, were you borrowing your parent were you like, I mean, what i mean is like were you borrowing your parents clothes in order to make these costumes or did um, you say that you
1: dressed up as them right yeah i mean weirdly i mean this is just a opening up another can of worms um yeah i mean we always just because we grew up in a house i mean as i said that sort of said before but there's uh, six of us uh kids and eight and two parents and we always had like we'd always put on a village pantomime. <laughs> so any any shit that was left over, we would would always end up at the butler house, even though it's the absolutely I mean, we've still got all of this shit now. So then we would like transition <laughs> into all of us making like short films, and then we'd always have these like ridiculous costumes that were like from some like a production of Sleeping Beauty from nineteen ninety three or something. Yeah. There you go. I I didn't expect to have to tell you about that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I should I should oh, say at this point it. that I have, that I have actually heard some of Uber's stories from from school before, um, oh, yeah. and it oh, is no. it is it is just worth pointing out that he that he was a teenage eccentric. And that's something which is very important mm. to note. <laughs> to note at this point, don't, don't worry, I'm not gonna, not gonna, not they gonna do. drop you in it. I'm not gonna tell you the story. I'm not gonna tell no. the story you told me the last time I saw you. Don't worry, no. um, it's fine. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, this, this to me, this to me ranks quite low on the eccentricity. I was gonna, meter. I was gonna I say, I wasn't expecting something. I think posting like the something. pictures on hot or not. I think that's, I think that is, that's edging it towards, towards the oddball quad.
0: For sure, <laughs> but I feel like it, yeah, but I feel like it's not like the most. I, I was expecting things slightly more unhinged. This actually mm. is like, it's so yeah, quite hot yeah. in, in, yeah. in a way,
1: falling pedophile, making pedophiles of unsuspecting people. <laughs> uh, we were all like quite... twelve or thirteen.
2: So the question, well, the question, the question there is how many, how many adult users of hot or not do you think there I'm were? Adult, yeah. it was. I
1: think it was majority, majority, definitely. Do you, you have to be an adult? Yeah, you had to be an adult to go on there. Yeah, we we would often they would wouldn't accept the pictures and we'd be like fuck. Um, you know, you had to uh so yeah, it was it was like a it was like a pre-Tinder Tinder, I think.
2: But you didn't have to be an adult to do the rating shortly.
1: Did you? Good, qu- good question. I can't remember. No. Oh, to it, it would have just been one then. of those. Yeah, it would have just been like, "What are you?" Uh, I can't remember, remember to be honest. But like, didn't was that just have a thing
2: like... saying, "Are you eighteen or over?" And it's only the and it's Probably, only the yeah, extremely yeah, yeah. well-behaved yeah. kids who are like, mm, "No, I can't lie."
1: Yes, yeah, I, I was one of those <laughs> if kids.
2: Finds I was out? one of those kids. Of course,
0: you were mate. you for for a while? I was because I was actually really worried that like. If I, if I lied, then like the police would find out. Well,
1: bring, let's <laughs> bring on PC bigs right now. Here he is. <laughs> um,
0: well, well, cause I, cause we had like a scare it straight type of thing in school when like the internet was sort of becoming this ubiquitous thing. Right. And so we had, there was a police officer from like Kent County council that were like, that came in and was obviously now bullshitting, but like mm. telling a bunch of 10 year olds, like there's this thing called the internet that some of you have. And if you go on a website and it, and you lie about being 18, uh, it goes straight to your uh, local police safari. We make a note of it and it will follow you for the rest of your life.
2: That's so funny. Um,
0: and I was, uh, and know, I was you know very sad about that for a couple of years. Mm. Absolutely.
2: Very, very critical support for that particular copper because that's, really <laughs> that's really good banter, I think.
0: <laughs> I, 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 yeah i mean i have yeah, a lot of respect for that police I, that, you've learned to respect, respect the only, girl
1: yeah respect
0: only for that police officer but did seem to have a good sense of humor even if that did mean sort of like bullying and scaring children right yeah yeah, yeah.
1: I, I i had a weird one where um i was thinking about this the other day um the the r the raf came in was it the raf i don't think it was nah the raf yeah. weren't scraping the barrel at my school It was some other army thing, can't remember. T A, but I don't know, maybe I can't remember. It was something some army thing. Anyway. And I just got obsessed with um, they were like, and then the guy half mentioned this thing. Oh, we do this thing where we leave you in the woods for three days and you've got to survive with no help. That's how you prove you're and I was like, all of a sudden, I was like, this sounds fucking amazing. And I was like getting obsessed with it, and the guy like couldn't move on the discussion. I was just like putting my hand in the air again and being like, "So do you get like? Do you, so you like nothing? No one ever? You just left, and you have to try and so?" And he was like, "Yeah." And I think by the end of it, I was almost there. I was almost ready to sign up. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think they were they were horrified by that. I think it was pretty. That, yeah, that that began the Bear Grylls obsession. I think. <laughs> oh god
2: you know what you know what our scariest straight thing was at school at at school this is a primary school they got in a they got in a firefighter and he asked us one by one what we would do to get out of a burning building and Mm. um we all said stuff like i'd climb out the window um I'd, i'd i'd smash the window and climb out like like you know what children would say and every suggestion he got he'd say no, nope, that wouldn't work. You'd be. That wouldn't work. That wouldn't work. Do you know? Do you know how difficult wow. it is to smash a window? And we were all sort of going, no. And he said, well, How many of you have double glazing in your house?" And we all thought, I, I don't know. Can't smash yeah. through. Double, can't smash through double glazing. And the and the and the moral of this of this presentation to a bunch of ten year olds was, if there's a fire in your house and the fire brigade don't get you get you on time, uh, you you will die. And we were like, no, no, but but what about, but like my mum and dad will save me. And he's like, oh, I'll be dead too. Like, what?
1: Yeah. Fucking <laughs> um, hell. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, and yeah he that got, sort of it, stuff was is terrifying, wasn't it? He like, got, a, 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 that, he got yeah. super
2: 10999 calls as well, pretending that our houses yeah. were on fire. What was wrong with this guy?
1: I don't know. We
2: should have reported we had, it.
1: We had a, um, I remember being really scared because like, remember they were like doing all these illustrations of what your house shouldn't look like. And, uh, you know, like, Oh, this is a fire hazard. This is a fire hazard. This is a fire hazard. And my, my, like, it was like no more plugs on the, and literally my parents' house is like extension lead to extension lead to extension lead to extension lead wires hanging out. My dad, my mum and dad's house is just filled with records because that's my dad's business. He sells records. Mm. The worst mm. fire hazard ever. It would just burn. <laughs> if, it, if that set fire, we're on a terrace, in a terrace like row. If that set fire, then the whole of feckenham has gone. Uh, it, it, I remember it being so scared after that. And then, you know, you go home and your dad's like, yeah, so just shut up about it. <laughs> but, oh God! Yeah. I've
2: told you the story before, right? Of the head teacher who decided that he was going to tell us a detailed account of what happened to that poor little boy, Jamie Bulger, in an assembly. No,
1: you might have. Oh, I, I can't remember. remember. Go, go yeah, again. Yeah.
2: So, um, this was this. So in so in so in the, so the mid nineties, this little this little boy was was kidnapped and horribly murdered by these two older boys and it was and and it was a hugely kind of shocking news story and our head teacher who was um who was uh, an, uh, an eccentric sort of sort of guy um decided that this was a really good again scare a straight teachable moment and um he I don't know, like honestly, because it was never reported in that much detail. So I think quite a lot of it he must have made up himself. Okay. Somehow. <laughs> because Jesus like because Christ. like because like even because even now it's quite euphemistically reported. Like it's quite difficult to find an actual account of which is fine. I don't have any particular desire to, you know, to kind of to read a blow by blow of it. But he did tell us. A blow by blow. Mm. And the only possible conclusion is either he somehow had access to police reports, unlikely, or he made it up in order to kind of really, really alarm us. And the whole point that he was making was that these two boys were kind of, you know, the age that some of us in that room were. And, you know, that's something to think about. And we were all like, yeah, we're going to be thinking about this probably for the rest of our lives. Thank you very much.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you are right now.
2: But then again, to my knowledge, nobody in my year five primary class <laughs> so, has kidnapped yeah. or murdered any children. So maybe it works. Yeah. Maybe it works. Maybe it works.
1: proof's in the pudding.
2: <laughs> the proof of the pudding is indeed in the eating. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I wanted to, um, to kind of move on with our sort of like, uh, our, our sort of my life in posting uh, Uber. Do you have any, uh, like, what, what are your sort of like memories of being online when you were younger? Uh, like are there, are there anything like stand out to you as kind of these moments that really made you like that were even important as part of your own like development and kind of career trajectory, or just like had a big impact on you generally in terms of how you move through the world now?
1: Um, yeah, without doubt, let me get into it. I might access that part of my brain. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess I was just I think I was of the generation, probably, maybe you guys would be the same. We're all about the same age, aren't we? Um, We're just the MSM messenger generation, just Mm -hmm. like uh, my whole social life existed on on that. Uh, First relationships began and ended on that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You know, like, oh, God, I, I think I might have told this story before. Oh, my God, horrible. I remember once I was trying to pass off that I'd written the lyrics to. I I still was talking to. I was like being emo, and it wasn't emo. I was a new metal kid, but you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was being moody and teenage about uh, self-loathing, and then I remember messaging this girl, and I and I started just being like, "Yeah, I'm a creep. I'm am a weirdo," you know. <laughs> God, <laughs> and uh, I'm you what? Know, and I like literally verbatim, and she was like. Yeah, I like Radiohead too. <laughs> oh god. So embarrassing, mates! Like now my eyes are watering. Now, like it's still so embarrassing. Um, oh god. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that was good. Uh, now I feel uncomfortable. Um, that was a horrible moment. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I genuinely. <laughs> Phoebe's having a moment
2: <laughs> I'm sorry it's just such a perfect answer she absolutely oh, that... did you <laughs>
1: <laughs> she really, did. She really uh, did I mean she definitely it. didn't That's uh, you know she definitely no. didn't do me no but... <laughs> no,
2: no no I'm, I'm, sure.
1: I'm fully aware um, yeah I, I think that it was like you know but simultaneously embarrassing teenage stuff as well it was also Weirdly, like when I became, I was like my first half of my existence as a and more of an adult, I guess, was spent trying to be a musician quite earnestly. So it definitely was a big part of that, and a big part of you know having lyrics as your fucking uh, chat lines. No, as your um, you know, as your statuses, the statuses. Yeah. You remember those things? Yeah. Heart, heart, Lucy. Then, then, heartbreak, Lucy. Die, Lucy. <laughs> uh <laughs> no, I did not know uh but yeah I guess I got heavily into music around that period and definitely like you know torrenting and pirated music and um yeah I guess it's all the normal teenage stuff I I, I started writing as well that, it, just to think about it I I I was started writing short stories when I was about 16 15 mm. and I and I didn't really pick up writing again until I was in my sort of Mm, when i was about 23 24 i started writing maybe a little earlier 23 i started writing again so i think that i started and definitely i was at that point i even had aspirations where i was trying to speak to different publications around the world and things like emailing you know short story competitions for you know earnest uh, midwestern american short st- short story journals and stuff It's just a weird thing i didn't think about this in so long but like um yeah just i guess that there was a sort of seeds were planted definitely and i guess it was sort of an aspiration to also grew up in a very small place um yeah i, don't, I think that's sort of that got me that's where I kind of started with it
2: is there anything that you regret that you've done that you've done online yeah yeah obviously (laughs) anything anything that you are prepared to tell us about okay yeah
1: there you go Uh,
0: or or do you you want to just like send a lawyer before
1: you send my lawyer from the film comes on Colin's here um (laughs) Um are oh, there like, loads of stuff I regret online? I mean, yeah, there's some there's some real shit that I wrote for Vice. Um oh, <laughs> what's that, I
2: mean, that's a that's a rite of passage. I think that's fine.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm trying to yeah, I'm trying to talk about a different period of my online existence because it's boring to keep on talking about the same stuff. Um,
0: I, can, I can ask a more general question if No, you. I'm trying to
1: No, because it's a good question I just know that there's yeah. an answer I'm just trying to find it You might have to cut around my, uh, my pontificate
0: All I was going to ask was Because I think the Vice stuff is really interesting Because I feel like everyone's had their period Of like, I wrote some embarrassing stuff for Vice that, Or like something akin to that Which mm. on the one hand You sort of have to give credit for Because it's like Well, the reason why some of us can do the stuff That we can do now or like have like you know these sort of more established careers is because we kind of did all that bullshit for these outlets yeah. but at the same time it's like these kind of very deeply embarrassing things for some of us in part because um you know the sort of the, the what was demanded of a lot of us and i think obviously with you where you've got you know those sort of situational you know uh vice types of thing you know there's the sort of typical vice thing like you know i did this kind of crazy yeah. Uh, stunt or this prank and like you know for these types of reasons and you don't and the feedback you get from that is not necessarily like one that affirms you as being like a good writer and stuff but i right, wondered whether right, yeah. when you look back on those sort of early periods of vice because i think that when i think about your vice stuff obviously the thing that kind of pops out in my head immediately is like the shed But like mm. there was so much stuff before oh yeah, yeah um yeah. that and perhaps that falls into the category of like, you know, things that you may not necessarily want to talk about. And I'm not going to ask you to talk about that in the detail, but do you think that you kind of had to do that stuff in order to then be able to do something like the shed? And like, you know, did, like, do you think about that, those periods of time when you are kind of doing these types of situational bits of racing or these types of not quite personal essays, but rather like you know, mm-hmm. putting yourself in these types of very, fairly vulnerable situations. Um, did you feel like that was kind of demanded of you in order for you to kind of do the stuff that you're doing now?
1: I think that I will say, actually, I think generally speaking, I don't go back and read that stuff, to be honest, but I, I generally speaking, think I got away with it pretty well just because um, I think it was all building to a point and I was developing a style and I was pretty happy with uh, pretty happy with it. Um like at the time, and it got me a hundred percent. I couldn't have done the the latest, the better stuff as it went on, uh, without that. I was sort of earning the right, you know. I think it's also a different I think a lot of I, I've got friends who used to work who who did said similar types of pieces of advice um, and sort of stuff that I did, who now are so different and find it so embarrassing and find it like almost they have a relationship with it where they feel like they were kind of coerced a little to do it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't feel like that really, to be honest. I, I feel like I was coerced by it by myself because I needed to make money to pay rent. Um, mm-hmm. But I but I think that it got me to where I wanted to be. And I, I mean, to be honest, let's be serious. I'm still doing stupid stuff. So like, I haven't, it hasn't gone, I haven't moved on too much. Um, so I definitely don't have the same regret that I feel like a lot of people do. Mm. But from time to time, there were there were pieces in different publications, like where I think back and I go, well, I don't know why I said yes to that, and I w- now I definitely wouldn't. Mm. Yeah, I like just stuff for it. It's just so far from anything I would have been interested by. And It was basically just ended up coming out and sounding like the editors who had commissioned it, and not like yourself. And yeah, I feel it. I feel it about about definitely certain stuff that I wrote, but not so much of the kind of classic first story vice stuff because I felt so embedded in that in my own weird way and we had a freedom to do stuff that I kind of uh that that I'm all right with it Mm. um yeah
2: yeah it's a kind of kind of earning your stripes there are worse there are are worse there are worse ways to do that I think because it's definitely I I think because like like, you, you see this you see this a lot now when um when people try and give advice to to young writers starting out and for some reason the the advice is never but I, I i wouldn't mate <laughs> the time the our, our time our time our time is over you need to you, yeah, need, yeah, you yeah. need to do something you need to do something <laughs> else. Um, because you know how you think you're going to be able to do some like corporate writing to like support yeah, yeah. your creative stuff well they, that that's it's all AI now so um yeah so, right. yeah, so if you're not saying <laughs> don't do that unless you happen to be independently wealthy in which case fuck you um, yeah, yeah. People like to say, "Oh, what we should do is you must never put a low price on yourself. You must never do anything for free or for a low yeah. sum of money." And actually, I think that even though it's sort of a, a it's sort of a kind of article of faith, I actually don't think it's particularly good advice because mm. the first two hundred things that you write as a young person, particularly in your twenties, are going to be they're going to be dog shit, and people are not going to be interested in paying you for them. yeah so yeah, it's yeah, either yeah. a choice of doing it for free and you know get, like honestly getting a blog yeah <laughs> l- let's be honest here. One. <laughs> yeah and and honestly like you know we like we we, we we like to talk smack about oh yeah oh no no no, no my no my sub stack is a is a reader supported publication it's a blog mate yeah. We all know it's we all know it's a blog.
1: <laughs> and that's and that's
2: fine. There's nothing wrong with there's yeah, nothing yeah, yeah. wrong with blogs. The the, yeah. the blog revival I think is like I think is substantially a, a substantially a good thing. And it also tells you which relatively well-known staff writers were completely reliant on their editors for the last however, yeah, long, which is also true. fun, which is a fun piece of information to find out. Uh, but it's but if it's if it's a choice between no one will ever publish you because you can't write you can't you basically can't write because you haven't got enough practice you haven't got enough yeah. experience or writing for free yeah gotta be gotta be writing for free mate
1: yeah I don't I have been writing little bits as to support this p this um documentary and I I have found it quite difficult I will say I haven't. It's been so many years since I was writing all the time. I write in different ways now. So I obviously make films now, but like I'll write something from time to time. I found it really, I've found it quite difficult uh, because it is like a practice thing, isn't it? It really is just a muscle, and and uh, yeah, I, I found yeah. I mean, it's been like weird, and also like because I because that period of sort of where I wrote constantly was like between the ages of what twenty five to thirty. Um, no 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 like 25 to 28 something like that 24 to 28 this is boring <laughs> uh i <laughs> it but i almost feel like i'm quantum leaping back into that state of mind in order to write it and i was like i haven't i need to actually just consistently write a bit to figure out who i am as a writer now mm-hmm. um rather than like you know trying to cosplay as me younger you know what i mean it's yeah. a bit, it's no, no, a bit to... weird it, it and it's like, you know, that is just I'm out of practice because it's not what I focus on anymore. So, mm, weird. Have
2: you thought any more about your, the regret question? Yeah, or
0: before yeah. we go, before we segue, yeah, <laughs> have, you got, have you got any more on the regret?
1: Yeah, I, I regret for going big on the Lib Dems in 2010. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, no, that's,
2: yeah you know enough. what, that's, that, that's, that's very fair enough. I, it's it's I, kind of... Yeah, it's yeah, an online-y
1: right. type thing, wasn't it? It was a kind of like... It happened in that little space. Mm. I think yeah. we, it was well, the I first think- time I'd ever voted. Like, and I just mm. was of age, and I went with them. My mom at the time was like, "No, don't vote Lib Dem. Don't." <laughs> she was just like, you, you, "I'm going to vote Labour. And I was like, "Mom, you should be voting Lib Dem. It's like a revolution." <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's Mania, oh, baby. Yeah. Um, I feel like yeah, I had the same thing with my with like at home with me. It, like 2010 was the first election that I was allowed to vote in. And yeah. it was also like the first time I think I was like engaged and yeah. like the internet probably like had quite a lot to do yeah. with that. Right. Just in the sense of like, Definitely. you know, you just, you need like a handful of friends, and, like looking back on it now, it's really interesting because I feel like most of my school friends and stuff still didn't give a shit about like any of
1: it. Yeah. It's interesting. It?
0: I had a handful of friends who did like politics or economics who like got really, really into it. Um, and I was like looking back at some of my old Facebook posts, like a long time ago and like, they were very kind of glib and sort of, you know, I, I, the one that comes to my head as being like the most, um, kind of, you know, glibby one was this sort of picture of George Osborne reading a book, uh, reading, reading a book that was like Photoshop, like for economics for dummies. And. <laughs> I went like really hard posting <laughs> oh, that. Yeah, I was like so clever. Like you know, I I have economics A level and I got an A in that, so I actually know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, the, and the thing is, it's quite mate, interesting. Yeah,
2: the thing is, is that if you hadn't learnt banter off that policeman, <laughs> you never would have been able to come up come up with that. So.
0: <laughs> uh, the, the policeman who lives in my head and traumatizes <laughs> yeah. me, and it make, makes me feel guilty whenever I go onto a website which says you must be over eighteen to look into it. Although yeah. I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've been on any websites that make me do that. So that, yeah, yeah, yeah never. I not
1: I've never been on a website. No, I'm
0: serious. I'm, I'm so, ser- I'm so serious about this, right? What? What uh, the talking about? Well, the so only to, <laughs> to ask, <laughs> <wants to> ask <laughs> for <from> your age?
1: <laughs> I literally yeah. now make... You saying that makes me think that your homepage is a, is a porn website. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, no, I was just like, well, what type of website would make you sort of confirm that you were over a certain age to look at it? And then I realized that, like, I didn't want to give the wrong impression. But also, I didn't want to give an impression that was inaccurate either. But I do remember that actually there was one website, there is one website where they do make you uh make you like confirm that you are over 18 before you're allowed to go in and that is uh the website where you can buy replica katanas uh to mm. okay. so okay okay there we all go right. all right
1: yeah no, i feel like cold. i haven't
0: really yeah i, f- I feel like i've really shown my ass on this episode Yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> no i um, think that the economics for dummies book is uh yeah that would be you should post that now that would be a good one for you now <laughs> If you posted that now, you'd do numbers the same. We know I'll that. I'll do I'll non-
0: do I'll, I'll do it as like the episode uh, for this for this episode. Uh, uh, just comment, I, thought, I thought I was so smart posting that. Um, I thought I was so smart post that I was like gonna vote for the Lib Dems because I believe yeah. that Britain needed a change. I was a very I, I signed up to Clegmania. I'm very ashamed to say it, unfortunately. Um, and then, when the Lib Dems kind of went into coalition with the Conservative Party, uh, a few of my friends who also voted Lib Dem were like, okay, well, now we're going back to Labour, but also we're going to volunteer on David Miliband's leadership campaign. Um, so at least I didn't do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah you didn't go big on it. That's true. Yeah. yeah.
0: Could have been worse.
1: Have been. I was in denial. I was like, oh, there we are we a kind of in government.
0: <laughs> can moderate yeah they can fix um the, yeah the, the va-
1: picture of da- like david cameron his yeah. him walking into downing street and my, everyone in my house it was like uh oh my no what's happened and everyone on everyone on the news seemed so happy about it obviously and i remember it being like, oh god what have i done
0: <laughs> <laughs> you so you had the you had the regrets immediately
1: uh yeah I remember just being like going out and protesting about proportional representation. It was all over. It was. Oh ball- God, that's like another.
0: It, that's another can of worms.
1: Yeah, I know. It's all being it's, a PR it's bad. Guy. I'm not doing a good. This in the Radiohead thing is not helpful.
0: <laughs> no well, we one have, watches we have, show. We have. Well, speaking of the show, we have we have reached a halfway point and to which I will say, let's do a ungraceful pivot uh-huh. um, and talk about Uber's uh, Uber show. Um now, look, I uh, I, I, was, I, was sort of interested in the kind of tech posting social side of this. Uh, but obviously, like your documentary on Amazon, like goes really like it, it sort of explores Amazon from like multiple angles. It's called The Great Amazon Heist. It starts off with like you getting a job at the Amazon warehouse um, and you sort of experience some time there before you get caught out. And then. As you're sort of exploring how Amazon works, you sort of go from like how how it operates in a warehouse to what's it like to sort of sell a product on Amazon to then what's it like yeah. being a consumer. And in each yeah. of these kind of free acts, like you kind of do, you know, the you you, you sell bottles of piss. Um, one mm-hmm. of the things when you brought the bottle into our office the other day was that the bottle said caffeine free, which implies that there is a caffeine. <laughs> version of the piss string and i did want to know whether <laughs> that is whether there is a caffeine version of the piss string
1: whether it's available yeah uh yes just exclusively to listeners of <laughs> <laughs> um, um,
0: on the on the, page, on the patreon tier
1: yeah or on the no good question tier. uh stan and i stan cross who worked on the film very close we worked very closely together on it um we we did the design sort of together and then stan refined it and then stuff like caffeine free started popping up. I think that might be a stand thing. It was kind of a joint effort. We were starting to adding things like hydration, mix, and repeat is a cinnamon on the side of the bottle. Uh, and uh, that was a that was Dave Niebuhr and the exec who's from Absolutely, who's one of the companies who worked on this. Um, and uh, yeah, so it was I, I can't I can't remember about the caffeine free. Maybe I was involved, I can't remember. Sorry, I suppose it like Know very how much you like your caffeine. Are saying it's a, well? I know. I mean, well,
0: c- if I'm gonna like, if I'm known. gonna go to a, if it's gonna be my gym drink, then it needs to have some caffeine in it. And then there's like, a third mm. act of your film where your two nieces buy knives off Amazon via an Alexa. Um, mm-hmm. And so before like we're going to specific questions, I wanted to ask like, what was your thinking in terms of like doing this film? How do how do you been thinking about like doing something on Amazon for a while? Or was it like more a development of stuff that you've kind of done already? Because I feel like one of the through lines in a lot of the work that you do is kind of the way in which algorithms have kind of taken over a lot of like how we function as a society, but also how incredibly easily they can be manipulated, both because there's not really sort of um, a material idea of like what an algorithm is. And that kind of really feeds into why it is presented to be very difficult to regulate them. Um, but at the same time, companies that rely on these types of recommender algorithms in particular sort of saying that like, you know, they don't bear any responsibility for how this works. And so in The Shed, for example, you show how easily you can manipulate an algorithm to kind of like promote a fake restaurant that yeah. even though you sort of like have said multiple times that this restaurant does not exist, it's not a real thing, you're still getting phone calls or you were still getting phone calls trying to book tables. Um but with Amazon, it sort of feels like this is this this is like you're seeing similar things, but on a much much broader scale because Amazon basically is kind of a, a huge section of how the economy actually works now.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it. I think the thing with Amazon is just how exceptionally, just ridiculously large it is, isn't it? So even when I don't know the decision to sort of do something about Amazon, which is quite of interesting, isn't it? Because how much they sort of I don't know. I wasn't really even interested in them that much until the pandemic, I don't think. And then it just sort of happened naturally. I genuinely haven't said it like this in any other interview because I've not thought about it that way. But I think, yeah, I think basically uh, being presented with it just growing so quickly, it was sort of impossible not to notice. Do you Mm. know what I mean? And it's kind of weird, isn't it, when you think about it? Like it's kind of so – it was on such steroids – but like, it makes sense in some respects that, and, that a, a website that f- looks very similar to sort of how it always has, that now basically represents so much of our shopping uh, and online sort of habits, is uh, is sort of so fallible in so many different ways. Mm. Um, and it kind of is, it almost feels like, a weirdly, you can think about it in this sort of like, it feels like a startup that uh, that... That is like been uh whatever they what the fuck do they call it the morons and they make a thing make it bigger upscaled they've uh a, 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 like a kind of startup that's kind of been upscaled too quickly and now it's got all these issues but all of a sudden it's like the most powerful company uh, one of the most powerful companies on earth and like uh you know it the, the same issue it's ridiculous to me that I was able to get a number one best-selling drink on its platform made out like made out of driver's piss. And that literally says in the description, this is made from discarded bottles of driver's piss collected from the side of the road. Mm. Um, it, isn't It, it doesn't it seem a bit ridiculous. Like, in a way, TripAdvisor, you almost forget it because it's kind of cutesy in a way because it's infrastructure it was providing is down to like tourism and stuff like that and, mm. you know, experiences. When someone's like showing up at your door and giving you a fucking, um, you know, a, a bucket of mayonnaise, doesn't it just feel yeah. a little bit more like, I don't know, it's just weird. Um, maybe I've I haven't always, answered I've, your question yeah. quite, but it's like, it was. it was sort of shocked me, I guess, how. How easy it was to manipulate Amazon's protections, particularly around food and drinks licensing. Mm. You know, I just listed it as a refillable pump dispenser initially, but I made it look like a drink, sound like a drink, said it was a drink, and then they accepted the listing. And then Amazon's algorithm moved it into drinks, bypassing any of its food and drinks like licensing and protections. And then I emailed the executive team at Amazon. And they moved it into the drinks category that I wanted. Mm. It, like, isn't that just such a failure at all parts? Oh yeah. Really? A-
2: absolutely absolutely. Mm. And it's and it's interesting as well. This is not this isn't a question, so don't, so don't worry. It's a it's more of an observation. But it's just cause so much of your so much of your work so far is about exposing where things turn into a kind of figmentary framework like where where if, as soon as something turns into a digital object it is available for manipulation it doesn't it has no real relationship with the real thing that it's representing and mm. you've sort of taken those principles in order to expose a company that very much need exposing which i just i just think i just think it's i just think it's fantastic but i'm just so interested Thanks. to see the kind of the just the kind of the, the kind of the thread of, uh, of like kind of sh- sort of shadows cast on the wall that you that that like your entire kind of work up until this point has has been I just think it's yeah I just think it's good.
1: Uh, thank you. I mean I to be I'll be honest that this is like it was really really difficult to make and it took 2 years and you know it's really difficult to go into those sort of rooms and as an internet person um it, there is no real easy um It sounds like there should be, but there isn't Mm. any easy evolutionary steps from internet successful internet person to television person. These these two worlds are completely separate, and there are a lot of examples of different internet people who, you know, Bo Burnham is like one that worked. Mm. Like there are are so many examples of different internet people who try and transition into a more kind of um, traditional media form, like television. Mm. And it just and the the subscribers the the viewers that they, they don't transition mm-hmm. as well. Maybe the other way is starting to work because internet because television stars spend so much money on the on their internet presence or they they spend so much time on it. But the, going from internet to television was something that I tried to do for years. To be honest, I, to be I've always kind of wanted to do that. I always felt like it was a I always wanted that level of people's attention to tell a story. Um, and now, and I kind of um, accidentally got it. To be honest, I I, I tried really hard making a, a great. It's a great film that we is still not out, but I'm just getting the rights off rights holders, which is great. So I hope it should be out pretty soon before the end of the year. We made a premium documentary with a, with with um, uh, Chris Smith, who makes like Tiger King, Fire, mm-hmm. um, Jim and Jim and Andy. Me and it, we made a documentary together in 2018, 2019, 2020. And it didn't sell, and it was a lot of it. Was the issue was because I was an internet person, and I was kind of trying to run before I could walk. And mm. you know, as, and what I found was it almost like at the end of 2020, I got an email, and it was from Catfish. They wanted me to come and do Catfish, and to and that was like a at the time. It, I did actually fret over the decision and didn't really know whether it was something I really knew whether it was right to do. And everyone around me was like, "You've got to do that. That is a really good opportunity." I did it. Thank God, I did it that's the only reason that the door opened for me. Yeah. It, it, it is, I, I, there is no, I did, you know, I've, I've, I've not said this, but I have finished doing Catfish, which is fun that I decided to announce it here. Um, but in that time when I was doing the show, it was, uh, you know, it was very demanding, but fine, really good work, enjoyed it a lot. But I didn't know it was going to be the step that got me to be able to do this film because yeah. I genuinely feel like I've been trying to make this film this is like i'm really proud of it and i think so many great people worked on it and it I really I, I really i'm happy with it but it, it it's i'm sort of sort of figuring out you know how i um yeah i guess i've now just sort of reflecting i feel quite lucky but i still feel like the the show doesn't feel like a traditional tv thing anyway it still yeah. feels to me like it's there's quite quick for a television show it's like yeah. stan cross is obviously one at the editor of it he's obviously his his mind is like that so you get that you know the the pace of the jokes is so relentless yeah. and we wrote so much for it that it means we can dart in and out of bits of content and you know it's quite frenetic in style so anyway, whatever. Look, just thought I'd get that out there. It's an interesting journey between internet person to television person and it's yeah. not it's it's very difficult.
2: It's it's so interesting as well, because if you're if you're a kind of well-known internet person, particularly if you're managing to like make money out of it, the mm. the audience that you have so eclipses TV audience or book audience. True,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: But it's still what people aspire to it's still the it's still the We're feeling the millennials, of, aren't we it's the feel it's the feeling of like legitimacy like like i remember some i remember ages ago someone saying why don't you um why don't you do self-publishing you you'd be be—you'd if you promote if you promoted it right you'd get you'd get so much more money than you would going through a traditional publisher you write literary fiction people don't buy that in in enormous amounts they give awards for it but they don't buy it um right. And and I was just like, yeah, because it's not proper.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? It's
2: not. I would rather be given two grand by like Scepter than <laughs> than fifty grand by a bunch of fuckheads who I think don't know what they're talking about. Like, and yeah, I yeah, know yeah. that that is ridiculous. I know it's yeah. ridiculous, but you can't you can't help you can't help thinking like that. And also, I don't even think it's necessarily just a millennial thing. Because this is this is something that I've spotted mm. with like younger internet personalities as well, and they are so used to the to the kind of the brute turnover of mm. um, of content production. So we still think that the stuff that we put on the internet and stuff anyone puts on the internet is our kind of digital persona. We think that that's like that's like an aspect of our identity, and we are showing yeah, it right. to the world. And so when there's like something going on on like young person internet we try and frame it like that but that's not how they see it they see it as a they see it as a job if they if you if you make a if you make a if you make a tiktok when you're 22 say and no one watches it it's not something that you've just made and you're as proud of it because you've made it you have failed you have failed at what you're at what you're trying to do because what you're trying to do is Shove it through this kind of attention mm. meat grinder for an audience of people who would just be just as entertained watching you like poke your own eye out as they would wow. singing a song or painting a picture or whatever. So I think, right. so I think there is still a sense of, yeah, but like I'm doing this so I get a book deal, so I get TV right, work, right, right. because there is still like, even now, there's this sense of. Um, it's only legitimate if it is kind of sufficiently gatekept because because the, the democracy of the internet is an illusion anyway so mm-hmm. at least if it's completely undemocratic you know about these institutional failings but if you fail yeah. on the internet that's just how how could you <laughs> There's just like, yeah. there's just so much and there's just so and there's just so many people. Um, Even the so boss yes.
0: watching your stuff.
2: Yeah, well, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, I just, no, I, just, I just think I just think it's super interesting. Yeah,
1: yeah. But yeah,
2: no, because I, I remember when I um, when I used to work in a comedy commissioning department, mm-hmm. there was lots of weird um weird interplay between internet stuff and TV stuff because right. the TV people were constantly trying to commission internet people to do TV work. None of it worked because it wasn't yeah. the right it wasn't the right kind of thing like their like their like their tone all of it was just not right and it never took off for on a kind of a tv platform and yeah. then at the same time there was this obsession with making adjacent content for tv shows or for tv channels and this and it was very kind of can we make this go viral it's like no we can't make it go viral either it will or it won't you
1: yeah yeah, it's true it's true make
2: it go viral and it's just a very funny interplay between the two things
1: yeah. I mean, I, yeah. So the way that this came, the way that this ended up happening was I, I self-funded and made, I, we, I wrote a short with, uh, Stan. I directed it. He edited it. I funded it, uh, with catfish money and, uh, my friend Harry shot it. And then we, we made a 13 minute short. I, I, Vice offered me money for it. And then, because they were like, we would love to commission this, but you commit fraud in it, so maybe no. Um, Mm -hmm. And then they offered me money to option it, so you know. And uh, but then I went in for a general meeting with Channel Four, and then they saw it and they were like, "This is great, let's do this." And that that but that process of that is from seeing it to commissioning it was still you know five months. Yeah. But um, you know, who gives a fuck? At that point, you're on the you're on the roll. But like, my point being is, I still had to prove. I had to in that the tone of that is very similar to what the show ended up being like the heist thing me talking to the lawyer all that was all in there at that point um so yeah i mean yeah it is interesting that like even just to do that i had to have had the catfish money to do that to put 10 grand into a video that might not earn that back you know
0: yeah i wanted to ask a question about um when you were sort of working in the Amazon warehouse because like part, well, one of the one of the elements is like being an internet person sort of meant that you may have been caught by like fairly easily on that warehouse <laughs> but it sort of led me to this like broader question about sort of surveillance technologies and the ways in which like algorithmic technology, like you know we as consumers we sort of understand the algorithm on Amazon in particular ways um, largely being as like these kind of big recommender systems. And, you know, when you go on Amazon, like, even if you are sort of searching for something, it is very common to sort of be in a situation where you end up buying more than you intended, because like the Mm. way that it is, its value kind of comes in like, you know, uh, its value comes in like recommending you things that you may not need, but is trying to convince you that you need. And, you know, by extension, that's sort of how lots of sort of like, platform economy of the internet works but when you're working in a warehouse obviously the warehouse workers in amazon the sort of fulfillment center workers in amazon are sort of subject to you know Mm. their own like the subject to other technologies of surveillance but also just other you know other algorithmic technologies that are designed to optimize working uh you know they say it's to, to optimize like working conditions but in reality As we sort of know, not just from your documentary, but from lots and lots of reports about like pushing people to their limits. And so Mm. I wondered during your very brief stint at the Amazon warehouse, um, like, did you did you sort of ever feel like, you know, you're sort of being guided by this type of strange technology that you can't really sort of describe to anyone, even to us? Um, and like, how did that sort of make you feel both in that environment, but also trying to sort of like work inside that
1: environment? Yeah, I mean, I obviously um, I, I basically I was there for three days. I got caught on my third day. Someone You can see it in the film, but, you know, someone, mm. <laughs> someone someone I think recognizes me or. I get taken into a room and then what the fuck are you doing here? But anyway. Best bit about um, that
2: is when, is when the guy says, well, I'm not familiar with you, which I think was just so unnecessary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just so ring, unnecessary to just, <laughs> to just sort of put the boot in at that point. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm
1: not familiar with with your work, you know. Just, you know uh, just just to let you know, I'm not that kind of loser. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Um, I, yeah, I mean, to come back to your question Hussein. I think the thing with the, I mean, I, I worked in a car factory when I was younger, and this was a very, 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 very different experience. Um, the the Coming off every time you leave the warehouse floor, the, the going through sets of scanners, and if you go off, you've got any metal on you at all, you have to go through another set of scanners. If you go off there, you have to go for, further set of scanners. Very, very unusual, very, for me, intimidating. You have things like if you don't scan, I mean, the problem is with this is that we, I didn't get this on tape, so we couldn't put it in the film. But the, the gun that they give you and you log in, if you, do, if that gun is inactive for a long enough period of time, like you, you, well, my co-workers said to me that you kind of, you can get in trouble, you get penalized, you know, why haven't you scanned for 30 minutes or whatever that is. I mean, there's so many, it's gone on YouTube now, the documentary only for UK people, but um, it's kind of popping up. It's on the homepage at the moment. It's doing well, but there's so many comments on that video of just people in different situations that their work situations with Amazon that are kind of crazy and very much fit into this kind of what you're talking about, algorithms guiding your own behavior. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, that was another aspect of it. Um there was another thing where, you know, all of the managers, as I observed, had like these like list rating listings. I mean, specifically, I saw the one that the dispatch manager has with the drivers. They all had scores next to their names and colors about how high their score was and how quick they were working. And I was like, so this guy's red and this guy's on 50 percent. Like, What what happens to him now? And he's like, well, we need to go and find out what he's doing, you know, that kind of thing. And, and um, so so absolutely is. um Amazon's algorithm, Amazon's like workings are basically uh, are influencing uh, the way that you behave and the way that you feel. Um, and drivers being sent on routes that make sense to a machine, but don't actually make intuitive sense to people who know the roads. And if they don't go on that route, being penalized for it, it... it mm-hmm. Yeah, I hundred percent saw that, and it, it's kind of an interesting thing when they talk a lot about more machine learning and learning and more machines in the workplace. It feels more like to me they just more want more by more machines in the workplace. It more means let's make humans more like machines.
2: Mm, yeah, for sure, and also it certainly it certainly seemed to be the case um, from uh, from the film. Um, it's supposed to be an intimidation tactic as well. And it's supposed to frustrate um, worker organizing. It's supposed to. It's supposed. It's supposed to. It's supposed to scare you. I'm apps ab- I'm absolutely convinced of it because, like, there's there's not really like that strong a use case for the constant scanning and the constant monitoring, other than to say we can see you. So don't. So don't even mm-hmm. think about. Well, yeah. Trying. Trying. Trying to organize. Trying to agitate for, for better conditions and for for better. Uh, right, which is it, which is which is touched on in the film. Like, I'm sort of very deliberately not doing too much spoiling <laughs> of the film because I want people to see it. So, like, we don't want to do a kind of blow by oh, blow. Oh, spoil the fuck! Spoil <laughs> the fuck out
1: of it. As long as people, the more people, the more people hear the put in, the better. That they're, they're more likely that they're actually going to go on to it. But yeah, I mean, it you know, I think it's just important to say that the film is a, a comedy, um, and it is, you know, it's dealing with very serious stuff, but. The reason why it's that way, the tone was to try and engage with stuff that people maybe have switched off to mm. in a way that actually would spread. And there's been a, a lot of coverage about the piss drink stunt, which is great. Like, I, you know, you were talking about earlier trying to guarantee, let's make this go viral. <laughs> yeah. uh, you, write, uh, you write that as an idea, and I was like, I hope that this does well. Uh, I hope that we manage to cut through with this. And thankfully, that one has. Weirdly, <laughs> so Milo would like this. Uh, it's genuinely picked up in every single newspaper in Germany today. So that's really funny. Hey. Um, and so I'm conscious
0: about, I'm conscious about the time. So I wanted to ask over one last question, which is sort of a bit more open-ended, but it was like, again, me thinking about all the stuff that you've done uh, or like a lot of the stuff that you've done and like the way that you've approached looking, because particularly when you're sort of looking at like, online forums and environments um, and recognizing that, like, you know, the algorithms that sort of govern so much of our everyday existence are sort of built on these very false, you know, are built on false metrics. They're built on like these, you know, uh, not even false realities, but, re- you know, just materialism that doesn't really exist um, and then having to sort of engage with it, right? Like the idea mm. and, you know, and in doing so, like these companies who basically kind of get to say that their proprietary algorithms get to determine how society functions are things that humans simply have to adapt to, right? On this show, we've Mm -hmm. sort of spoken about how social media companies, for example, have repeatedly used like bullshit metrics to like get, you know, companies to do specific things to get media companies yeah. like they've you know they've collapsed media companies as a result of it and to yeah, this yeah, day they are point. still continuing to be like well you know the, for the past 10 years we've told you our algorithm works in one way but actually it works in another way and you're just gonna have to deal with that because what you, what else are you gonna do are you gonna build something else and it feels like amazon like is a really good example of where this really kind of crosses in a, in a very material sense because with social media it can just be like well that's just like online anyway right you can opt out right. you can log off like you know it, you know you can sort of argue like who gets a log off and who doesn't but like in theory you don't have to have a social media account but it feels like uh-huh. amazon for example like its way of kind of way proprietary algorithm and the ways in which it kind of uses that to build like the world of commerce and transport and logistics um that does have material effects right it like changes yeah. the way that towns are built it changes like helping how, how people are employed and like the levels of which they're employed um yeah. it can you know it determines a lot of like it determines politics, right? Like in some places, yes. uh, you know, local in everything, you know, you know, you know, all this already. And I suppose like my question to you is like your documentary really shows how the material effects of like what feels to be Amazon's contradictions. And like the funniest parts of your documentary are ones where Amazon or where like, it's very clear that like they have to sort of reckon with the contradictions that they've sort of set. They want to be this like streamlined, efficient company, but the ways in which they do that um, require, like you to sort of push humans, you know, push people beyond like limits that are kind of bounded materially and you know biologically. They say that you know they have like checks and balances when it comes to, uh, you know, children buying dangerous things. But like it's very clear from your documentary that like those things are not You know, the, you know those things are less than perfect. Let's just say when it comes to regulation. But it feels like they can also get away with those contradictions because of how big they are. And I sort of wondered yeah. what your thoughts were in terms of like, even if your film cuts, you know, even though your film has cut through very clearly, um, what we're dealing with right now are these sort of like behemoth tech companies that kind of believe that because they have so much power over how both the online and offline worlds are now orchestrated, that even if you can expose those contradictions, like they they should still be allowed to get away with it, and I wonder whether mm. like you had any thoughts on like, well, what can you know I know that unionization is obviously like one of them sort of most direct things, but are there like you know wh- when it comes to how you thought about this project and more broadly like the ways in which you describe like the sort of effects of these algorithms, you know do you see like a way out in any way like you know, do you see that like will will the contradictions like eventually become too much? and you know I, I don't know whether that's necessarily a question, mm-hmm. but it's more just like this no, observation. No, no. I- I think on, it is, yeah
1: no i think it is a question i think that what we're talking about here is just like what does it take to break the spell like what does it take for what how big does the contradiction have to be for um for there to be an inflection point where people go okay no right, fuck this you know amazon have just been fined by the ftc for being a monopoly um mm. or you know charged by the ftc i'm sure they'll dispute that um, Amazon, uh, recently are accused of being in like, uh, lying to, or misleading the select committee in parliament for saying that they don't, uh, track employees. Um, there are, you know, there's a lot of things that are building up, uh, you know, obviously we said Amazon have just been accused last week of, um, or a couple of weeks ago of, you know, human trafficking in Saudi Arabia using, um, being part of that for their workforce. Look, these are all horrific things. And often, Mm. uh, I guess there's so much reporting on Amazon uh, that is so good, and so many people doing such great work um, Mm. that I I I don't know when that reaches that point. I guess the stuff that I looked at, um, I think the platform is so seamless and so fine-tuned algorithmically to our behaviours and to our and to our sort of benefit. It's so frictionless that it is built so much good faith generally with people. When I started this project, I used Amazon all the time. Um, And I remember when I was working, I started working on it as a kind of, Ooh, you know, I want to look into this thing. I remember doing a weird, I do German lessons and my German teacher kind of said to me, you know, you're a hypocrite. Um, And I remember being really defensive about the whole thing and being like, (laughs) and being like, fuck you. Like, fuck you. Whatever. I didn't say that, but about it. And then I, you know, over the, my base of the project, I, I, yeah, I mean, I kind of am, was a hypocrite. I mean, I don't use Amazon yeah. anymore. I, I've gone on that journey, but that's not the point of the film is not to be like, everyone needs to delete their um, Amazon accounts. It's just like, I feel like we are at a, you know, the, all those things. I think basically it is algorithmically completely tuned to us. It is basically societal infrastructure now, which is bigger than that, really. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah.
1: And and that is even if it's AWS, are we talking mm. now maybe Zancaster's host on AWS probably is. Um mm. or it's or it's literally as you say, logistics services where it's the the whole you know, we just had a, a fucking global pandemic and they were the basically the infrastructure people used. Um yeah. Fuck! I mean, that's like crisis. That's yeah. the old-fashioned "never, never waste a good crisis" thing, isn't it? It's like
0: yeah. Well, I think I th- yeah. I mean, I was I was just thinking about like the town that I live in, or like the place that I live in, where like it's an industrial mm. area, and yeah. so there's always been warehouses. But over the pandemic, like Amazon took over, like you know, four mm. of those warehouses, right? Yeah. And you can sort of see, like, even on sort of like a very micro level, that you know the roads are now busier because you have like way more trucks, right? And those trucks mm. have to use the same kind of like infrastructure as everyone else and so you know, car journeys that used to take about like 20 minutes like now take you know close to double that time on a good day and like you know much much longer on um other days right uh you know the ways in which like amazon have kind of you know they sort of parade themselves as sort of being like big employers but you know, the underlining thing is like, well, you've taken over so much, you know, infrastructure and, right. you know, it's very much like employment registration, but like you can sort of set yourself up. And I guess the point I'm trying to get to is that they can get, they can set themselves up as being like indisposable. And so, yes. you know, in and some ways, like projects, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, what I was going to say was like, you know, in some ways, like your project's really good at sort of like, you know, even though there's been like a lot of really, really good reporting on you know, Amazon, like labor rules or like, you know, uh, you know, uh, Amazon labor conditions, uh, unionization, uh, you know, the need, the need to sort of regulate companies like Amazon, even like there's been like a lot of good tech reporting on like, well, we actually need to sort of define what an algorithm is because if these Mm. companies are sort of like, if their whole model is built around this thing that, they sort of claim to be like nebulous and, you know, something that is out of their control and very clearly it is very much in their control, then, you know, we sort of like, that's what we sort of need to address. But your documentary like takes it to it's like real kind of like basic things, which is here is how it actually works, right? Here's how it works yeah. as a worker. Also as a consumer, Um, you know, here is like, you know, you are also engaging in a system that isn't quite real like i thought you know even the whole like sort of getting stuff to like amazon bestsellers for example or like the ways in which you can kind of like seamlessly move it between categories implies something bigger and like i think on a very basic level i think about like you know stuff i've ordered from amazon where it sort of is marketed in one way and when you get it it's like oh that isn't quite what was advertised and Mm. you know it's not like the condition isn't great but then there's this other part where it's like oh well like You know, that's just kind of the way it is, right? You don't really, you know, if if you were to do that in a shop, for example, you would go to the shop and like probably return it or get an exchange for it or something like Mm -hmm. that. There is at least like a relationship between the vendor and the seller. But it was remarkable to me how much like dud stuff, and I haven't, I don't buy loads of things from Amazon. Like I don't want to like get that misconstrued, but I have like Mm -hmm. bought stuff from Amazon, you know, when there have been not many, not haven't been any other options. And I've had to accept that, like, well, these, I was missold a product. And seemingly there is nothing I can do. And I wonder whether that also feeds into like their broader fantasy of like, well, you know, we are so in we are so ingrained into broader society that like these trade-offs that you would never have seen as acceptable or even kind of like morally correct, like not that long ago, is now just part of your day-to-day life, right?
1: Mm. Yeah. I mean it is interesting, isn't it? The the whole point of I was uh I was with someone the other day and they were saying that they had lots and lots of shampoo that's brand new. They can't. They tried to put it on Amazon, and that they wouldn't allow it because they it was it wouldn't accept them as a seller. I don't know why. And then they were like, "Well, there's nothing I can fucking do with this. Now there's a real place for <laughs> me to sell this thing." And even if you did sell the thing, then you know, obviously, you'd go in the see other buying options box, which is just completely decentralized. Really, I mean, we be, probably be careful around this kind of stuff, but it, it, that's just obviously what the whole FTC. um Report that was what that was all about. Um, so yeah, sorry, yeah, without getting too technical, you, yeah, yeah. I mean, the the whole doc was trying to, uh, I I thought, obviously, the doc, the first 20 minutes talk about employee rights, but I felt like, um, working conditions at Amazon, working the experience of working there, getting inside. But I did definitely feel like if I was going to have an impact, it had to deal with the platform and the, and, and those algorithms and people's relationships with them because. Um, that's what people's most people's experiences with the company is and that's the thing that that's where the spell exists right it's like here's where the, the magic is is with your relationship with the platform how seamless the purchasing it all of that stuff that, that that so i felt like well let's play in that space you know that's and then the piss drinks that i do the nieces They're all kind of relate into that thing and also kind of the potholes as well when i commit the fraud It's all kind of, it is all kind of playing in that space with the platform and and how it works and what on a basic level. So, yeah, I mean, Mm. broadly speaking, I think, I don't know what, I think 2016, 2015, Facebook pre that had its kind of, was such a trusted entity. And so Mm. provided the whole kind of social infrastructure that we all kind of lent on and used. And I think that, I and then obviously that inflection point for them was the Trump and the Brexit thing. The ended up mm. kind of domino effect people then all of a yeah. sudden it flipped on its so, head yeah. and and no. and i think i don't know what an amazon version of that it's they're they themselves so much that if and when that mm. does happen it's going to have such a huge effect on everything because that because they provide because they're such a they're more embedded into our day-to-day experience i'm not that's not true they're more embedded into our infrastructure than facebook were
0: yeah yeah and i think like and this might be like a way to like finally find end it because i think you sort of touched <laughs> on something but i completely forgot which was really and again but in terms of like through lines about like all the stuff that you've done is very much this idea around like trust right like and who do we trust and like why do we trust them um and you know i think the point you make about like facebook being this like you know something that we Kind of trusted perhaps naively like you know d- just over a decade ago um as well as like other social media platforms right the idea that like mm-hmm. you know these were sort of neutral parties that allowed us to kind yeah. of like speak our own truths or be our own kind of you know uh The ways in which they marketed themselves, like even recommender algorithms, like when, Mm. you know, the platform economy was first emerging, the idea was like, well, the recommender algorithm kind of works with the user to sort of get to their truth in a way that like no one else can. Right. And so, Mm. yeah, they might have like friends that they get like music taste from or film like choices of film and everything. But recommender algorithm can actually do a much better job at that by recommending things that we know that people will like right mm-hmm. and it's remarkable that not that long ago like so much of us and i would probably include myself in this like kind of bought that hook line and sinker right it you know kind of worked for a bit of time and that probably was because it was new and novel and interesting i think now we've sort of reached this point where i feel like lots of us know and like you know all of your sort of experiments and stuff have really shown but like well embedded in all these systems that we use and rely on kind of on a daily basis, whether like part of our social lives or part of infrastructure, like we don't really trust them, right? There isn't like Mm. this kind of sense of like, oh yeah, like, you know, this, I kind of completely trust this review or I completely trust this like, but we kind of have to engage with it in some capacity. And I wonder whether like the the algorithms that are used are like less to do, you know, they don't really operate on that system of trust anymore, but they operate more on this idea of like, well, what else are you going to do, right? And I think that Mm. has like real kind of, you know, I think when it comes to like thinking about social media, which is what we tend to think about a lot on the show, um, it's very much this idea of like, okay, well, you know that these platforms probably, you know, the people on these platforms probably aren't like, you know, your friends in a kind of conventional sense. Uh, they, you know, you probably shouldn't be putting as much trust into the platforms as you can, we, we kind of have been doing for a lot of time. But right. what does a world without platforms look like? And I think that's not, yeah. it's not impossible to think about, but it's a struggle to think about. And I imagine- It's for interesting, yeah. You know, you can imagine like what a world of Amazon is like, but or you can sort of try and imagine what a world of Amazon is like. But I imagine for a lot of people, that's really, really difficult. And like, again, to go back to like my town, I know that like, you know, places like Amazon have had these really big, have had really big impacts on high streets and it's yeah. had really imp- yeah. impacts on running small businesses and like the pandemic yeah. really accelerated that um, as you have sort of pointed out. And so the idea of imagining what different socialities are Outside of this type of system is so difficult that I wonder whether these platforms now don't even care that much about trust. What they actually, what they are sort of comfortable with is the idea of like, well, what, where else are you going to go? Like, what else are you going to do?
1: <sighs> yeah, yeah, I do. And I, but I, <laughs> I will say just that aside. I will say that as someone who stopped using Amazon, say, so but unless apart from from fucking with them, um, yeah, yeah I, 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 I would say that I've not really. I, I don't really find it that difficult to not shop at Amazon, but I live in London and I can Mm. walk out my house and walk to whatever shop, you know? So it's, it's different to my parents who grew up, who are in the middle of nowhere where, you know, you have to get in a car and drive for 15 minutes to get to a shop. that's, Mm. that's, um, you know, there's a totally different, it's a privilege of being in London that I could, I don't, I don't miss Amazon in my life at all, but, uh mm. <laughs> i'm sure they don't miss me baby um <laughs> but <laughs> but all i should say is an addendum ad- 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 um that jeremy vine covered this on his show <laughs> after <laughs> he had it on he, he had the headline drink from urine sells on amazon as a drink or whatever and it had my face was on his show and i was like because i remember last time i came on we talked about the saga between me and jeremy vine uh so yeah that's a a little update for everybody he's i seem to have run him back
0: with piss (laughs) (laughs) well like the next stage is probably to work with him on something like he's very interested in like His thing, the only kind of Jeremy Vine stuff I see, you have a cycling and sort of getting mad at people who are like doing traffic violations. So I wonder whether you could do something with him.
1: About potholes.
0: Yeah, that's true. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. That could be fun. Yeah.
1: The pothole Um, that brought us back together. (laughs) (laughs) on
0: On that note. On that note, I've kept you for too long, Uh, although that is a great great. idea, Um, and we'll get you back on to talk about potholes, like, generally. Um, Uber, dude, thank you so much (laughs) for coming on. We really, uh, your documentary was really good. Like, it was was great. Like, we'll put the link in the show notes. Like, I very much encourage anyone uh, who lives in the UK, I'm not sure whether you can listen, watch it internationally. Um, you find that out. I'm not going to suggest anything, uh, for legal reasons. But um, yeah, you'll find a way. Uh, it was very, very good. Uber. If like, if people want to sort of see the other work that you've done, how can they do that? Or is there a way that they can do that?
1: Yeah, they can find it on Vice's YouTube. Is kind of a, a playlist, uh, Life Hacks with Uber Butler, which has sort of my seven seven films that I made with Vice, which are which over about three or four years, which are which are good uns um, in my opinion. So that would be where you find that and then i don't know paramount plus if you want to watch catfish
0: yeah if you can figure out a way you can figure out like dark arts yeah. ways of watching catfish uk um yeah no thank you for, so thank you so much again i'm really really looking forward to what you come up with next um, thank you for listening to this free episode of Ten Thousand Posts. We really appreciate it. Uh, Phoebe unfortunately dropped off the call, uh, so I will do her plugs for her. Um, the plugs are her Substack, PhoebeRoy.substack.com. Lots of really good essays on there. I think it's also five bucks a month, but support support her regardless of like what tier you're on. Just like you know, it's it's a, it's a good Substack. Um, also listen to um, her Romecast, which she does with Pat, Pat Wyman and Milo. Also listen to uh, Masters of Our Own Domain, which she also does. with Milo Uber has been on there a couple of times now i think once oh once okay yeah well listen to uber's episode and also listen to all the other episodes <laughs> uh, of masters if you can the show is produced by devon follow them at devon underscore on earth if you have not done that already uh listen to bear podcast which is called kill james bond and it's very very good as well i think that's it in terms of plugs so until next time catch you later bye, bye.